Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast, presented by Pat's Pulpit. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. It's your boy Pat Lane, as always, with Matt St. Jean. Matt, the season's over, but football season never ends here at Pat's Pulpit. We are here for the long haul. We're here for the long haul. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, this is one of the fun things about football. The season really never stops. And with the combine and the draft, too, like we get the playoffs, we get free agency, we get the combine, we get the draft. The lull in the season really doesn't come until months after the last game is played. The lull comes after all of that right. when you get to like June and July. Not even July. It's like April, May, June, post draft into training camp. So yeah, we still got a lot of a lot of months here before we hit that dead spot. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. So uh, obviously Patriots lose to the Bills last weekend. We already talked about that game. Uh, gave, you know, gave the Patriots a, 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 a googly uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, again, Zoolander reference. I don't know if everyone's going to get it, but like, I love it. It's great. So, um, but you know, we're New England. Thanks for the, for doing that. A press release, which you'd never see. I mean, you just don't see that happen. And we'll talk about kind of why speculate as to why that happened. And I think it's not really a secret as to why that happened. Um, but, you know, saying that they're working on negotiating a long-term deal with Gerard Mayo uh, and then also going to start interviewing offensive coordinator candidates, which that title, man, I cannot believe they threw that title out there. I mean, I, I believe it. I think Kraft is very well aware of what the fans think of this team right now. He right. has been for a while. Uh, it was the comments he made last year about how long it had been since there was a playoff win. Well, Nick. tick, tick, tick. It's, uh, it's been another, we flipped the calendar 12 times since then. Um, so yeah, it's, we're right back there. And I, I don't think he, I mean, Kraft's getting older, Bill's getting older. I think the press release is almost entirely a craft thing here and, and all this stuff. But I would have to imagine Bill is also fully on board too. We've all right. we all have eyes, and we've seen this football team this year, and we know what's going on. And I don't think this should come as a surprise at all, except the fact that we got the press release. Yeah, and I think I think there's a few things. I think first of all, like you said, it, you know, it has a ton to do with Kraft. But like you said, you know, Bill, it's not like Bill didn't sign off on this. I think Bill signed off, and and I think part of the reason why it's a little shot at the team. It's a little like, hey, I know this isn't how we normally do things. I know it's a little outside the norm, but this isn't how we do things either now. We haven't won a playoff game since the 2018 season when we won the Super Bowl. That's three straight years. Right? That's I'm sorry. Yeah, three, four straight years? Jesus Christ. No, 19, yeah. 20, 21, 22. Four straight years. Yeah. We haven't won a playoff game. Uh-uh. Nope. Four straight years? No shot. Like, that can't happen. Not allowed. That's going to happen. Right. And so and so we're going to mix things up a little bit. Right. I know Greg Bedard is, you know, is he hates Belichick so much that he, he's laughing maniacally about it. But I think it has to do with and of course, Kraft is saying, hey, listen, Bill, like I still trust you. You're still the guy. But you got to be a little more transparent with what you're doing now. You have to because the fans are pissed and you got to give them what they want. Right. And so yeah. I think that that has a lot to do with it because they're very. They're very, very conscious of what their image looks like. But I do think some of it's Bill saying, we're going to mix things up. We're going to shake things up a little bit because apparently the status quo isn't good enough for people. Yeah, and it's hey, 
this is a company. We view it as a football team, but it is also a company. And any company that's doing things and not working out as well will shake things up and they'll put out the press releases and they'll they'll do all that. And I mean, you have different standards for when things are going well versus when they're not. That's any organization, because if things are going well, you're not going to change much. And clearly right. that's not the case here. So uh, I'm still I'm still not overly shocked about it obviously the fact that there is a direct press release is different i expected but i expected all of this to come probably as a leak of some sort and yeah i think this is also craft saying hey we're not we're done with the leaks we're going to be straightforward we see what you see as fans and we're going to address it again as any business this is it almost feels like a company saying they're putting out a product a product recall (laughs) right no it's true yeah it's a good point you know by the way matt team crazy matt yes no sleep. No sleep, just football. No sleep in the NFL. Yeah. That's right. I think everybody's talking about the OC part of that, but the Gerard Mayo part, I think, is just as interesting to basically yeah. formally announce, hey, we like this guy. We don't want him going anywhere, which didn't Jeff Howe then say that it's still not certain he's locked up and they're still right. working on the deal? And Well, I think, I think that that's challenging. Not- you know, it's a challenge because, you know, you don't know, right? Now, as the Texans... I don't know if the Texans have a, have an interview planned for him. I know the Panthers do, but I I don't think that that's a realistic shot. I think I really think that um, that he deserves another shot down there in Carolina. Um, Steve Wilkes. I, I just think that you know things went well there. The the guys seem to like him. Um, you know, it's this is it. Like I think he's the guy and gets and gets another shot there because he got screwed in Arizona. Um, but either way, you know, it's one of those things that that I think. I agree with you, though. It is kind of interesting. Belichick never, ever does that, where he's talking about a negotiation going on. They never do that. Even when it's a player, you don't hear that. Certainly not, you know, maybe you hear something, a rumbling from a guy, a leak here and there, but you never hear it from official from the team like that. And so I think that that part of that, and I think I do think that part of that was for Mayo because they're like, hey, not only... Not only are we are we serious about it, we're so serious, we're going to make a freaking announcement about it, dude. We're putting it in, out there to say we're working with you, and so we're going to pretty much do whatever it takes to to get you here. Um, and Man. I do think, you know, I don't know for sure, but I do think that that means defensive coordinator. I think that you could see an assistant head coach title. I could see, get I could very open. easily see like linebackers coach slash assistant head coach be yep. the new title for him and some kind of official play calling duties to say he has that um also i want to point out like it's this is different for bill but something yep. being different for bill is the norm for bill obviously yeah. he's kind of kept the same persona for right. for god knows how long now but the on-field product has always changed the patriot way has always been about being able to adapt to different situations and have different game plans every single week and this is a guy, I mean, he might be older and he might be a little bit more stubborn than he used to be, but you're telling me Bill Belichick hasn't learned from his own failures in the past. Right. He got run out of Cleveland in part because he couldn't communicate with the media there. When he came to New England, it's actually funny. If you watch his early press conferences in New England, they sound a lot different than the ones now. Oh, yeah. He was a lot more open then. And I think he learned from that that you, when things aren't going well, you have to be more open. You have to be more transparent and, players and coaches are different now it's a different generation you have to treat people differently and right. i also think we've seen bill do that he treats players differently in 2022 than he did in 2002 as he should so the fact that he's tr- treating a situation like this differently again shouldn't come as a shock right no and, and you're totally right about that you know and so we'll see what ends up happening um i am interested to see who comes in as offensive coordinator um but i do think there are some intriguing names out there which i know we're going to get to in a second the Mayo thing is interesting because we're talking about this off air. You know, he and Steve Belichick, of course, have been running this defense for the last few years. And then the question is kind of who gets more credit, right? And who is this guy and who is that guy? In my opinion now, I do think they're going to draw a line in the sand that kind of puts Mayo above Steve Belichick. And I don't think it's going to be super far above Steve Belichick, but I do think that they're going to make it pretty clear that he is, you know, quote unquote the next guy up in line right um that's kind of what i think they're going to do and whether that's the defense coordinator role whether that's assistant head coach you know role whatever that might be i do think that it's they're going to make it clear 
that you know that Steve Belichick is the, is below Gerard Mayo, and I do think you know Belichick's at a disadvantage here. Steve Belichick's at a disadvantage here because no matter what he does, they're always going to say it's nepotism, right? They're always going to say, ah, oh, he's only here because his dad's the coach. Like that, it doesn't matter how good of a coach he is; he's only here because Bill Belichick is here. And so we won't really get to see what Steve Belichick has. And we won't get a a fair shot at seeing what Steve Belichick has until Bill Belichick retires, I think, because he's never going to name a defensive coordinator unless Mayo leaves for a head coaching job before, you know, before Bill leaves. And you're not really truly going to see that, right? Everyone's always going to say, ah, he's only here because, you know, his dad's here. And and so I think it's going to take a few years until after Bill leaves the NFL to really kind of see what that's going to look like for him. So I am interested to see what that looks like. Um, but I do think that they're going to draw a pretty clear line in the sand that, that Mayo is going to be above Steve Belichick. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing to navigate because it may also not come with a whole lot of day-to-day change for either one of those people right. in their interactions with the defense. It's all about the title and gearing up. Um, honestly, at the end of the day, it's probably gearing up both of these guys for, for head coaching opportunities some point down the line. They're both going to get a shot for it with how well they've done with this defense right now. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. So yeah. either you got to gear them both up for it. I'm assuming Steve Belichick leaves at some point because that would make the most sense for him career-wise to get out from under Bill. And then Gerard maybe becomes head coach. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, lo- that's long-term. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen between now and then. I don't think this means Gerard Mayo is like the anointed future head coach of the Patriots either. I think what this says is, Robert Kraft knows this guy's pretty good at what he does and we trust him and we like him. He's already in house. We're going to make sure that he doesn't, he doesn't leave, which I think another part of this that's interesting. And I was thinking about this, like the, the whole not naming a coordinator thing has been in part, I think because there's language in contracts where they can get away with paying less money to guys. Right. This seems to me like Robert Kraft saying, I'm willing to spend, let's do it. Because he's saying, I want an offensive coordinator. I don't care if it comes with offset language. Like, I'm going to pay offensive coordinator prices for that. He's probably going to pay defensive coordinator prices or higher to keep Gerard Mayo, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't have that title. He's saying, I want to win. I'm older. I'm not around that much longer. I want to spend so I can get another Super Bowl ring out right. of this thing. And if if that's the case here, I think we're going to see that in what, two months when free agency starts. I think yeah. we'll, we'll see a similar approach there. Kraft's going to say, hey, pocketbooks, pocketbooks open, checkbooks open. Reach yep. in, grab as many checks as you want, and have a, have a party. Uh, I love hopefully, it. it results with better things than the last one. But yeah, well, I mean, that's you know, and that's it's hard to it's hard to kind of know. But I will say, you look at that 2021 off season and what they brought in, and you know, there were some hits, there were some misses for sure. There were some big misses, but you bring in Matthew Judon, you bring in Devon Godshaw, which I think was a good signing. You bring in, you know, Hunter Henry, which I still think was a good signing. You bring in Kendrick Bourne. You made Bourne, you better. You know I mean? Right, right. And yeah. so, you know, so I do think that overall you did a nice job bringing in some talent. Um, now you kind of need some of that top-end talent. You need some of those guys that, like a Matthew Judon, you got to get two or three of those guys instead of just one of them, right? And so I think yeah. that that's going to be uh, that's going to be vital for the Patriots. And I do think there's ways for them to cut even more cap space. You know, Trent yep. Brown's a guy that is, you know, $10.5 million or $11 million on the cap next year, $1.5 million dead money. Peace out, Trent mm-hmm. Brown. See you later, buddy. Like, you know. Yeah, if you can't, if it's, if you, if you feel good about your tackle situation, you think you have guys, you can cut him without having to worry. Johnny Smith is cuttable at a certain yeah. point. Hunter Henry is cuttable if you want to completely reset this tight end room. Jalen Mills is a guy you can move on from if you want to. Kendrick Bourne is a guy you can move on from if you want to. And they already have a lot of cap space there. Uh, they'll have to, the problem is that they're going to have holes to fill. Right. Um, they already have holes that fill with wide receiver one and corner one right. walking out the door. And if you cut guys, that's more spots. Um, and obviously Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, their status up in the air. Yeah. And if you cut Trent Brown, you're looking for a left tackle. So these are all expensive positions we're trying to fill. So it's kind of right. a, a catch 22. <laughs> but to me, it's not worth it. Like I'm not I'm not paying the 11 million dollars for Trent Brown to get what we got this year. But like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I think that they paid for Isaiah Wynn this year because they figured $10 million for a starting left tackle in the NFL isn't that much money. And then they found out that Isaiah Wynn can't stay healthy and when he's on the field wasn't that good anyways. And so it's like, okay, yeah, Trent Brown, $11 million against the cap. That's not that bad for a left tackle. But if your left tackle sucks, 
then your your offensive line isn't very good, right? And so it's almost like, you know, why are we, you know, okay, fine. It's cheap for him, and we might have to go out and pay more for someone else. But if he's not good enough to get it done, why the hell are we paying him in the first place, you know? Yeah, it becomes tough because it's like if Trent Brown's your worst lineman, I think you can be all right with that. You can right. make it work. Yep. But right now you're asking him to essentially be your best lineman, which the other part of this, uh, we're, we're seeing new offensive coordinator. Uh, maybe Matt Patricia just becomes the full-time offensive line coach. He's better if that's all he does. Or yep. you're looking at a new offensive line coach, which I think would be beneficial to some of those guys. And mm-hmm. they also might look at this and say, hey, we think we can get some of this value. Because a, a starting off, a starting left tackle can cost like $20 million. So they might think, all right, we can get the right. value of Trent Brown with a better coach. And yep. I mean, sure. it's also the special teams. Has, they didn't mention special teams or anything else. So I assume we're going to see more coaching shakeups come That's from happen. this. And this is just the headline. Because I can't imagine. I, I started watching the film from... Uh, the Sunday game, yeah. the first two plays of the game are special teams because it's a kickoff both ways. And it's just awful yeah. all around. Um, and it's like it's it was two guys on the first one, which side note, they did miss a hold on that. But it is what it is. Yeah. It, but Jabril Peppers entirely in the wrong position. Pierre Strong could not set an edge. And the next kickoff, both of those guys had been pulled. <laughs> right. Right. And then Miles Bryant's in the hole. And, you know, of course, Which, he actually tackle. made I went back. It's funny because he actually made a really nice tackle in a similar position earlier in the game. And I was watching it. And I was like, this feels like foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, it's just so frustrating to see that. And again, sometimes you scheme. And I don't know if it was schemed up correctly because you really don't want a one on one matchup with one of your defenders against the kick returner, because chances are you're going to lose that matchup. Nine, not maybe not nine times out of ten, but your return has got to beat one guy. And Miles Bryant's that one guy. If it's blocked perfectly, he's got to beat one guy. And that in that case, he did. And so it's like somebody, you know, somebody else missed the tackle too on that second kickoff return to get before right. he even got through to Miles Bryant. It's like yeah. Miles Bryant should not be the last line of defense on on anything on special teams. He does right. not have the the athletic traits to do that. By the way, but the fact people, that, no, go ahead, go ahead. The fact that you have to put him out there says a lot about who the other options are right now and. Right. I mean, you're seeing like I really like Jabril Peppers and guys like Raekwon McMillan and Demarcus Mitchell, but I saw all of them making pretty bad mistakes on special teams. And that's kind of how they're getting onto the roster right now. So don't be shocked to see some of those guys not come back. But I think you also would hope with better coaching, you don't see some of those errors. Right. I agree. I do agree. By the way, some people, people getting on the Miles Bryant train, Annie Agar, who's like a big, huge, like TikTok personality or whatever does like a. She does like a recap every week or whatever, and she took a shot at Miles Bryant this week. And I'm like, let's go! People jumping on the <laughs> jumping on the Miles Bryant hate train. Um, so yeah, I yeah, but, you I, know. Bad. I do feel bad for him in the sense that this is the second year now they've had in a row they've had to go up to Buffalo with right. down corners. Now he's yeah. the guy in the in limelight. He was not made for that. He is a depth player. <laughs> oh, no, he is, and and that's one of those things where it's like I know he's a depth player. And I know he can do things. And I and I I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him here again next year just because Belichick loves guys like that that are depth pieces and like keep showing up and keep working hard, even though like they they eat a ton of crap all week long. And but at the same time, I'm like, bro, like can we just move on? Like, let's just move yeah. on from this guy, please. Like, I, you I know, I've say, seen enough. I was shocked to turn on the tape and see so far as far as i've gotten into it like as many mistakes from jabril peppers out there as miles bryant as a guy who is a free agent and maybe yeah. now not coming back to new england after that performance because at least miles bryant you can say oh he's a depth guy he doesn't have the athleticism jabril peppers has all of the athleticism in the world to do stuff and he's still making some dumb mistakes out there so i don't know it's tough I, I, did he play I did he play in that thursday night game against against the bills the first time i don't know if he did sure or he not. did uh um, and he might have i don't even I just think it's such a different animal when you play in the Bills. It's such a different animal, and I, you know, it, it screws up your defense. To be honest with you, and I love the way he played all year long, and so I wouldn't really want one game to kind of shape whether he comes back or not. But again, the hard thing about Peppers is I like him a lot, and I like the way he plays. I don't know if you can bring him back to be a starting safety. I think you bring him back to be a depth safety or to be like the third safety on the team. But I just. I'm not comfortable if he's your starting safety. You know what I mean? I like him. I like the way Devin McCourty's. If Devin McCourty ends up retiring here and that's it for him, I think Jabril Peppers is not the answer. 
Correct. You, you get somebody else to be your free safety. Miles right. Bryant is also absolutely no. not the answer to that. All right, sure. Oh, Jalen Mills. Throw Jalen Mills back there. I'm like, shut up. No, we will not throw Jalen Mills back there. Jalen Mills was actually not bad as a safety in Philly. He was I better know. there as a safety than a corner. Yes. Well, I, listen, McCordy did it. Maybe Mills can do it too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Bill could prove me wrong. I, I think I would rather invest in a safety. Uh, Agreed. Which is, I think it's a pretty good year for safeties in the draft, too. I haven't started scouting them, but yeah, it seems yeah. like that's uh, that feels like the type of pick where we're going to go into the, the draft being like, all right, we can't wait to get the tight end or that offensive tackle. And Bill's going to draft the safety in the first. And we're going to be like, what just happened? And then yeah. it'll end up being pretty good. And After it'll trading. be Devin McCourty replacement for the next decade. Right. But. After trading back, hopefully. Um, yeah. Brady. Do we want to? Go Brady ahead. mentioned this. I just thought the perfect amount of interceding by Kraft while still letting Bill keep the reins. Patriot Nation should be, should be excited tonight. And I agree with him. Like, that's yeah. to me, Kraft had to intercede at some point and had to do some things. And if it's, if this is what it is, then I think that we should be happy with that. You know, he's not jumping into football decisions, but he's like, hey, you need to be more open and honest. And again, as we said, Bill might have a big part to have a, a big part to do about that as well. Um, but still, I, I do like that, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, was it Mike Giardi who reported it the other day? Somebody reported that the, basically the meeting that we'd all been waiting for had already happened, and they came at them. Uh, basically, they went into the meeting with the same opinions anyway, which I don't think should be a shock. Like Bill watched the same team we watched all year, and they probably went in there. And that, the fact that there's a press release tells me they're probably pretty aligned because I don't see a situation where Kraft says, "No, I'm telling you what you're doing here, and you're going to like it." And yeah, I agree. Bill sticks around given his history so yeah that tells me they were very much on the same page and bill was probably already going to be doing all of this stuff and craft is like hey i want to put out a press release to let the fans zone bill's like gotta get it go for it <laughs> yeah agreed uh team crazy matt does point out that mills may have been one of the most bottom ranked uh pff corners in 2022 and so and he didn't play a ton in 2022 uh he was hurt a decent amount but I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind the shift to safety. I mean, that's what that's what Devin did, and Devin was obviously yeah. a lot younger than than Jalen Mills is right now. But still, you know, I wouldn't hate yeah. it. So, also with the, with cancel Patriots, cancel Boston Sports. Just cancel it. Freaking Bruins lost at home for the first time in regulation this year. That's it. That's it. Blow up the thirty-two team. five and four <laughs> team sucks. Like just just cancel it. That's it. Just be yeah. done. Yeah. No, I think um, with with Mills and some of the stuff the defense does in New England too. They like shift things a lot and rotate things and they have right. a lot of people play safety at different points like we've seen like miles bryant has played free safety for the team this yeah. year True. on plays and it's totally fine when it's a couple plays at a time so like mills is at the very worst like a rotational corner who you can ask to do safety stuff for a quarter or a third of the snaps in a game and he'll be totally fine at it agreed yeah agreed so we'll see um all right who's on your short list for oc well who are the guys if you had to give me, um, let's say, say three or four. Well, Bill O'Brien's going to be at the top here. He's not the sexiest option, but he's really proven at what he does. He knows what Bill likes to do very, very well. He has a history as a quarterback coach, too, which I think is good for Mac and or Zappy below him, depending on how things right. look going into the future. Yep. And I like that. I don't have for other names, I'm not I'm not sold on Cliff Kingsbury at all. I never thought he deserved to be an NFL head coach from what he did in college. I don't think he's shown much. I think he'd be good. I think I'd be interested in him as a quarterback coach. I'd be interested in him as like a pass game coordinator if they're looking to do that type of thing. I'm not like he doesn't he didn't run the ball in college. I'm not sold on that stuff. I'm not sold on him being able to vary it the way it needs to be. Um, what I would point to here just in general. Uh, a couple like staffs where I'd be looking like I'd be looking at. So Alabama, obviously Bill O'Brien and anybody else under him that could be interested. Right. I'd be looking at Michigan football right now because of the success. The Wolverines have had rushing the football and the fact that Jim Harbaugh may be looking to get out there right now. He's do, he's taking interviews. Yep. So the guys under him may be very willing to go right now. And like on is already familiar with them and they've drafted from Michigan and done pretty well with it. I know Bill has a relationship with Jim Harbaugh. So really any of the offensive play callers or offensive line coaches from that staff, even if they're not OC to come in as positional coaches, I'd look there. Um, I would look at the Rams right now. If they want to do the zone running stuff, apparently McVay had given the, the blessing for coaches to go look for jobs elsewhere. 
So I'd look at literally anybody on that Ram staff that wants to go. And if they want an interview, give them an interview and see what they say and see if they'd be beneficial to the team. And I know like the Eagles quarterback coach of this year is on a lot of short lists. He, that intrigues me with what he's done with Jalen hurts. And yeah, um, the athletic did a podcast this week talking about coaching candidates and all of the Eagles coaches their methodology is very interesting to me and something I think Bill would also really like. Um, and I'd also throw in anybody from the Niners staff that could be looking for anything yeah. with the zone running connection. Um, again, if they want to do that, if that report is correct from last year and it's something they want to continue to do next season, right. I'd look at guys there. Um, you got to look at positional coaches and see who could be promoted to a coordinator from there. Cause yeah, you can't look at other, this is the difficulty. All of the all the stuff right now is looking at who could be a head coach. You got to go one level deeper looking for an OC. Well, and that's and that's it, right? Is that you know ultimately you're looking for an offense coordinator and you don't need a head coach. That's why Bill O'Brien, he's still a good offensive coordinator. He is right, and so he may not be a great head coach, and that's okay. And maybe he learned from his time in Houston and will be a better offensive coach, a better head coach if he gets another opportunity. But you don't care about that. You care about an offensive coach. Bill O'Brien knows the system, knows Belichick very well, can come in and run something similar to what they did last year. The hard thing is this. You're trying to, now you're going into the third year with your with your rookie quarterback, right? You got a new quarterback, third year. It's going to be his third offensive coach, right? His third play caller in three years. That's a lot. And so you did what, what he and others in the offense said was basically changing the offense completely last year. You don't want to do the same thing again this year. You don't want to look at it and say, okay, that sucked. We're, we're scrapping that offense and run it. Now he's going to have to learn another offense. So now he's been three years in the NFL and he's learning three different offenses. That's a terrible idea and a recipe for a disaster. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know. I mean, that's why at the start of the year, like that's, that is the one reason in this whole thing why I was never at 100%. We have to fire Matt Patricia and redo everything because changing your play caller every single year is how you ruin a quarterback in a lot of these situations, right. which, yeah. and it means you have to nail this higher. If you mess this higher up, you're going to basically reset everything. And yeah, it's, that sends us into a very different timeline there you mess this up then bill might end up retiring because he's not going to stick around for another rebuild and that's a timeline i don't even want to think about at the moment bill is not retiring until he breaks down he's not doing it yeah he's not doing it but if this team ends up looking like it's going to be a four-win team for the foreseeable future and he's got to stick around for another day to see this through he might say yeah i'm not getting it this ain't going to be a four-win team though it's not so uh charlie though points out a good point trey nixon's back Trey Nixon's back on a futures deal. So, uh, you know, so we're all right. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Lynn Bowden, not back. Very sad to see. Yeah. Uh, somebody else on that list. Oh, Bill Murray didn't get a futures contract. Yeah, which I was surprised about since he did make the flip to offensive guard as well this year. I figured, you know, but, you know. Much just not have, not have stuck yeah. there. Yeah, Which is a bummer. But I like, I mean, just for the name alone, I liked him, but. Agreed. He was yeah. in college. He was a good like um, field goal block guy. I think he blocked like two or three field goals when he was in college. So I was hoping he was going to carve out a role on special yeah. teams. And it's tough, it though. I mean, Sam Roberts did, had like five of them and he couldn't even get on the you know, he couldn't get any. It's tough when you play in where where'd Bill Murray go like William and Mary, I think, or something like that. So it's like Groundhog College. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, um, but I will say, and so this is Team Crazy Matt talks about, you know, uh, field flipping plays with offensive plays of 50-plus yards. And he's saying since 2020, there have been 450 such plays the Patriots have four. Not great. That's one out of 112. Actually, one out of 12.5 if you're, if you're not a math guy. Um, but I look at this and I just think, you know, to me, the hard thing is that Mac is limited with his – with his throwing ability as far as throwing the ball down the field. Now we can talk about arm strength and everything else. And I know we were talking about off camera, like, you know, is Bill actually is, is Bill sold that Mac is the guy, right? Mac is never going to be Josh Allen. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's never going to be Justin Herbert. He's not that guy. He's not. And so do you need that guy is the question. Now, what's interesting about it is that they drafted a very similar guy to him last year and Billy Zappi, who you could argue has worse arm talent than Mac Jones. And so maybe they don't care about that. Or maybe they could put Jimmy Garoppolo into that conversation too when they drafted right. him. Yep. 
Yep. And so maybe they think, well, you can teach a little bit of arm strength. Brady didn't have the strongest arm either. And so, you know, we got him on his diet and working out and everything and, and his arm strength improved enough. But Josh Allen, I mean, the way, man, those two throws this week, right? The one to Diggs and the one to John Brown. It's just like, that's, there's like Especially a handful the of guys. The one, the one to Diggs was insane. There's a handful of guys and maybe not even a handful of guys in the NFL that can make that throw. There's and so, two. but right. And the maybe hard three, right, right. And that's the thing. The hard part about it is that, okay, there's three guys in the NFL right now that can do that. Are you going to wait for the next guy that can do that? I don't think so. Like now, you know, are you going to, are you, well, I think the smartest thing to do would be continue doing what they've done, which is taking late round quarterbacks and, or mid to late round quarterbacks and see if one sticks and in the meantime, roll with Mac Jones, right? And I don't know. I, I'm not sure what you know what that comes to do. And we'll talk. I mean, I don't even want to get down in the weeds about Lamar and everything else. We could talk for hours about that, but uh, it, we'll save that for another show. But but it is interesting to think about, like how can they build those big plays? And I think part of that comes with offensive speed. And I think you saw a commitment last year from the Patriots to do that. Tyquan Thornton comes in. Yep. Marcus Jones comes in. Pierre Strong comes in. All guys that are super athletic and super fast, that's how you build those things in. Um, Even and Cole so, Strange. Cole yep. Strange was the top-of-the-line athlete for his position. They're, right. they're getting into everywhere, which I think they've always valued athleticism. But I think I, – I came away from that press conference on Sunday kind of thinking that Bill may have been a little bit shell-shocked at this point right. by what he's seen from Josh Allen. And he's thinking, Oof, I, you either got to have a guy who can do that or a guy who can stop that, or right. you're you're going to have an automatic two losses. Put, yep. You're starting the year with two losses every year for the foreseeable future. So right. you got to figure that out somehow. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, like, I think that they're close to, to stopping the Bills at points, but yeah. they're not there yet, right? They can't. They just can't compete. Yeah. They don't have enough talent, right? And so that's why, yeah, I think that's why I felt a lot better, like, it's it's weird to say this, but I almost feel better after this year's loss in Buffalo to end the season yeah. than last year's loss in Buffalo to end the season because last year we saw a defense that was pretty good go up against an offense and not force a stop the entire game, not force a punt and just get railroaded. This year, the defense that was basically statistically as good went up there and adjusted and played much better. The offense played its best game, and I think we saw in that game that the talent across the board isn't a massive, massive issue at this point. It's missing right. at key spots. They need some elite players, which are the hardest ones to get. But the base team, I think, was better apart from the severe coaching issues. And right. if you fix that, then you're not terribly far off from where Buffalo is. Yep, I agree. And that's, that's even with Trent Brown at left tackle and Miles Bryant in the slot. <laughs> right, right. And Connor McDermott at right tackle, right? Who I think, I think yeah. to me... Connor McDermott has earned a spot on this team as the swing. I don't know if I want him starting next year, but he's certainly earned a spot as a swing tackle. And, you know, maybe if he's fighting for for a job in camp, a starting job in camp, I got no problem with that. He played his ass off, I thought, this year. So you bring him, you bring him in. Yep. Um, and it's if I were the one doing the drafting here, um, I'm trying to draft two tackles with my first four picks. One, hopefully, who can start this year, and one who you could start with a year under his belt the year after. And you hope you can get by with Trent Brown next year. Right. Um, and, or somebody outplays him, but you go with Trent Brown and the other guy. And, and you hope that the year after when Brown's contract is up, the other guy's ready to go. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting Cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we'll see. I mean, look, there's a long way to go. The offseason is very long. Um, yeah, we are not even, we're not even in the playoffs yet. And we're going to talk about the playoffs. Have a weekend in a minute, of the offseason. But, but we are you're like, you know, literally seven days, six days or not even four days into the offseason. So, um, so there's a long way to go. We don't even know what the coaching staff is going to look like. I do think you mentioned special teams. I think, you know, Joe Judge is an easy candidate for a special teams coach. It just makes sense. If he to me. wants it, I can see right. a world where he's like, I don't want to go back to that. Uh, I yeah, but think the, Troy Brown used to be the special teams. He was a he I think still is a punt returner coach in there. Right. Right. Yeah. So maybe I they think just move him like over to, to special teams full time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to see him at, at wide receiver coach anymore. You know, I think he's done okay, but not not good enough as far as I'm concerned, you know. Yeah. It's for some of these like I, I'm okay with keeping some of these offensive coaches. I just want to see some change that isn't just the offensive coordinator, because I think the the issues went deeper than that right and right again if if bill sees that this is already an issue um i suspect he's not gonna just stop with the top level guys i, I don't Correct. think they're gonna clean house i don't think they need to clean house but you'll see some turnover here right i agree and you know and someone mentioned like about not firing people and just and i don't i don't have a problem with that you don't want to clean house and fire everyone that's fine move people around shuffle them here and there you know make Okay, Nick Cayley, we're not happy with what you've done at, at tight ends coach. So we're going to give you an assistant tight ends coach. And he's really going to kind of be like the actual tight ends coach or the or the co-tight ends coach, but he's going to be the assistant tight ends coach because we don't think he's doing a good enough job. And if it doesn't improve next year, nope, sorry, you're on your way out. You know what I mean? And so that Cayley is such an interesting figure because they denied him um, yeah. interviews for coaching opportunities, but didn't give him any looks at play caller. Very and, bizarre. And tight ends coaches typically tight ends coaches don't do much um, because when the tight ends are doing pass drills or with the receivers coach, when they're doing blocking drills with the offensive line coach, tight end right. coach is usually somebody who ends up working up to an offensive coordinator position. That's what Brian Dable did in New England yep. and ended up becoming an OC somewhere else. So that that Nick Haley couldn't do that in New England is a I just don't know how to read their usage of him. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It's a, it's a bizarre situation. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I am in, intrigued to see. Um, and I do think they're going to be aggressive. I do think that they're going to be aggressive, right, um, in pursuing uh, some of these that, offensive coaches. Yeah, and in general, I think one note about Bill was he gets he gets the like, – people see him as a conservative coach, and in a lot of ways on the field he is. But he's basically – he spends to the cap every single year. He yep. tries to max out his roster every year, even in 2020 when it was annoying people. People were saying, we need to tank. No, he said, no, we're going to try to win as many games as possible. We want to keep the culture going. We want to keep a winning culture. We want to bring players in, and right. we're going to we're not going to lay down on anything. And, I mean, that's who he has always been. The fact that they haven't spent in recent years was because they pushed everything back during the Brady era to fit as much under the cap as possible to max out Brady. 2020 right. is when they had to pay the debts of that, which is why they couldn't even bring Brady back really if they wanted to. And then you finally spend and they spent the cap and that limited what they could do this past off season. So this is in some ways, this is going to be just the second off season since Brady left. that They're actually going to have an opportunity to acquire veteran players that aren't through the trade market. Yeah. And it's going to be awfully fascinating to see what happens. And, and I'm very excited to see it. And I think bill again, it's the aggressiveness and the fact that Bill and Kraft are both on the same page where this isn't a rebuild. It's not a soft rebuild. We're close. We're there, right? I mean, you know, we've talked about it on the show a million times. Like there's four, five games this season that one or two plays go the go the other way and they win those games. And unfortunately, they're missing guys that can make those plays to, you know to put them over that edge, right? And so they're not, they're a few players away from a 10-win team, right? And then, uh, you know. Yeah. And I think it's also worth noting when we talk about this stuff that not all of this improvement has to come from outside the building either. Player development is a yep. real thing. Taquan Thornton, I thought he was exceptional at some point against the Bills. I actually, the, the team's first touchdown drive, he drew one holding penalty on Tredavious White, of all people, who could not cover him, and then yeah. should have drawn another holding penalty later in the drive. Neither were both catches by Devontae Parker, so it didn't end up mattering. But he's a guy, if he takes the next step, that's huge. Cole Strange takes another step. 
That's huge. Pierre Strong is a guy who could be a home run hitter as a runner. These can get some of those big plays we're looking for, but you don't have to pay extra money to do it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I think I think Thornton's an interesting case because Thornton needs to put on weight. Everyone knew that coming in, that he needed to put on weight. And I wonder if he puts on 15, 20 pounds over the offseason. Oh, I Number think that's one, too much. The too much. If he puts on 10, 10 pounds over the offseason, right? What does number one, what does that do to his speed? And number two, is he more bulked up, you know, and able to play more effectively, uh, you know, in the NFL? And I think he can. And look, he's always going to be compared to George Pickens. And, and I think, I think rightfully so. I wanted the Patriots to draft George Pickens at 29 and they traded up to 50 and they had a shot at him again and they didn't take him and it pissed me off and I don't like it. They didn't want him. Taekwon's the guy they wanted. So this is is again one of those where it's Taekwon, like, I think Taekwon can be like a T. Higgins level receiver. I think he can be that kind of guy who's a real high end number two. And honestly, yeah. I don't know if he needs to put on weight to do it because part of his game is that agility and the speed. Right. So I don't know. You, you either got to go through guys or you got to go around them. So either put on the weight and go through them or stay nimble True. and find out ways to go around them. I don't care which, but get the job done. Well, I think um, you saw Devontae Smith this year. Didn't put on a ton of weight, but he put on a little bit more weight. You know, maybe it's only five pounds. Maybe it's only yeah. five pounds, right? Like, but but you're doing something. You get more get more of that play strength, and then you're ready to go in his second year. Now, Devontae Smith, you know, Heisman Trophy winner. Like, it's a little bit different, obviously. But nevertheless, you know, you, you give yourself a little bit more durability and a little bit more of that play strength, and I think that's that would be beneficial for him. That's, Taekwon was like a surprisingly effective blocker in college too, despite how thin he is. Cause he's got yeah. such long arms that he can sure. like, I don't know, blocking is about angles and geometry here too, and physics. So it's just like, he, he can make angles work for him. So yeah. know, we'll see. Cole Strange said he wanted to put on weight too. He said he had trouble like keeping weight on during the season. So I wonder if I, a year here with the, the pro team will, yeah. will help. I, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. So all right, enough about the Patriots. Let's get into the Patriot. Let's get into the playoff preview this weekend, which of course does not involve the Patriots. But there are still some good games, and I'm very intrigued um, about this week. I've used the word intrigued way too much this episode, um, but uh, I'm interested to see kind of what happens this weekend. Of course, we get two games on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. That's San Francisco against Seattle and Jacksonville against the Chargers, and then on Sunday we have Miami and Buffalo, the Giants in Minnesota. Baltimore in Cincinnati. And then Monday night, we have Dallas and Tampa Bay. Tom Brady has never lost to Dallas in his career. Um, so I think that that one's kind of the one that everyone's kind of circling. What's the one that you, outside of the, because we'll talk about the, the Brady game, but outside of the Brady game, what's the one that you're most excited to watch this weekend? Hmm. Let me think about this. See, what it should be is the the Chargers Jaguars game because you got the two yep. young quarterbacks but it isn't for me because like neither of those teams is good at attacking deep and I have a strange feeling that game is going to end up being like a whole bunch of field goals and first to like 16 wins because the, the teams have good quarterbacks and no no receivers who can stretch the field right um, so the whole thing is going to be like 10 15 yard plays at a time and just real real short stuff so I, I kind of look at that Giants Vikings game. I don't know if either team has a chance at winning the Super Bowl, but weird stuff happens with the Vikings play this year. I think that's just going to be a fun game to watch. I like it. I like that. That's an outside the box uh, thinking <laughs> there. I like that a lot. I'm very excited for the Chargers to show up on Saturday night without Mike Williams and just be like Brandon Staley, you freaking meathead for playing your players in a game that didn't matter. And, you know, once again, proving my point that Brandon Staley is a bad coach. Um, and, you know, I love it. I'm very excited about yeah. that. Um, I like that Giants game a lot as well. Um, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick the Miami or Baltimore game because both of those teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. Skylar Thompson season, baby. And so, right, the, the Dolphins you have get, a urge quarterback, for God's sake. You can't. I, we have. We know all the issues with the Patriots. You can't convince me that given the current states of teams in the NFL, the Patriots aren't one of the 14 best teams. Like the Patriots right. are better than Miami and Baltimore right Correct. now in their current states. I'd rather put Detroit and New England in there. And 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Pittsburgh and New England. I want to see Definitely Detroit in the Detroit. playoffs. Anyway, oh, I want but... Detroit in the playoffs so bad. But um, yeah. 
But I, I'm going to pick that Saturday night game because I am interested to see that game. I do think you could be right, right? That you, mm-hmm. you certainly could have a slog. The problem is I want to pick Seattle, San Fran. I want to pick that game. But San Fran is just going to absolutely wipe the floor with Seattle. So, Seattle doesn't so do have want defense to compete with them. Do we want to make picks? Let's do it. Because, Let's do it. Yeah, because, why not? Because I have things to say about this game. I'm very intrigued about this game. The Seattle-San Fran game? So have you seen the weather forecast for Saturday? Oh, like like pouring rain? Pouring rain and wind. Oof. And all I can like, Brock Purdy has, has done very well. He's also... Like he got picked where he did in the draft for a reason. He has his issues. He hasn't played a good defense yet. The Seahawks obviously aren't that good of a defense either. But he's seen him for the second time. I feel like he's due for an implosion at some point, and it's going to be an awful weather. Like if there's a, like I don't know the Vikings upset and like anything in the Tampa Dallas game have gotten like so much attention that I look at this Seattle San Fran game and I'm like, this is a San Fran team that's good, but with with a rookie last pick in the draft at quarterback playing a divisional team that's very familiar with them in bad conditions. Okay. I like it. I'm going Seattle. I'm I'm going Seattle and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going San Francisco and I'll give you the 10 freaking points. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) San Fran is going to, is going to absolutely destroy them. Pete Carroll said this week, unfortunately we have to play San Fran. Like, are you kidding me? Pete Carroll, you're going to say, unfortunately, get out of (laughs) here. No, they're a good team. That's why he's saying it. I, I realize that, but you should have a good team too. You're in the playoffs, and Geno yeah. Smith. I mean, he just doesn't have it. I'm, I'm sorry, like I like Geno Smith. I, it's a great story. Uh, he's you know he's definitely comeback player of the year, but like, I don't know. I just I don't know. I I, I, can't. I, I don't think Seattle is better than San Francisco. But I think there's a shot the playing field gets leveled enough here. I mean, I'm just rooting. It's the playoffs. I'm rooting for weird stuff to happen anyway. There's not, but there's always there's always one of those games there no, that right. nobody sees coming. That's a good point. And if there's gonna be one, I feel like it's it's got to be this because they're familiar with each other. Like I said, and I don't know. Like this feels like the type of game where like all right, Seattle maybe like Seattle gets the ball first, they score a touchdown on the opening drive, like they do something with it. Then Purdy goes out there and he throws a pick six in the bad conditions. And suddenly oh, San Fran's playing down 14 nothing from the get-go with that guy. And Tariq Woolen's on Seattle. Like he's he's not bad. He's he gets his interceptions. And okay. All right. Uh, hey, listen, I hear I'm it. picking Seattle. I'm picking Seattle. I also right. have an ulterior motive here in that um I also have Minnesota and Tampa winning because I really want to see an NFC championship game that has to involve either the Bucks or the Vikings after how awful they've been at stretches. That's that's really funny to me. All right, so <laughs> Seattle, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay. I like that. Yeah. Um, wait, you said – wait, who do you want hosting a playoff game? It's not hosting, but if Seattle wins, then that opens up. So then Seattle would go to play um, Philly. Oh, the Eagles. In the divisional round, which means right. whoever the other teams are will play against each other. And the Vikings being what the Vikings have been this year all over the place. Like people don't like the Vikings right now because of the one, the one score game right. thing. And also the Buccaneers have been a bad team this year. And the, the fact that those two teams could play each other in the divisional round and one is guaranteed to be in the conference championship. It's a great point. Is re- it's hilarious. And I then like it's, that. there's this area here where it's like, all right, well, it, it'll be the Eagles against one of those teams. That's and great. The Eagles point. are going to be huge, heavily favored, but now you, both of those guys are a couple players away from being imagine, in the Super Bowl. Imagine if it's Tom Brady trying to get redemption <laughs> from Super Bowl Fifty Two in Philly. Oh my lord, that'd be so hilarious on a, a sunny Saturday at the Link. Yeah, I know, it's right? Not the Link anymore, is it? What is? No, it? I don't think so. But it doesn't matter. It's close enough. Um, so uh, what? That can't be right. No, Dark Lord says. No team has ever made the Super Bowl after losing a Kirk Cousins during the regular season. I believe you because you always come up with these insane stats, but I just feel who, like. So who lost to Kirk Cousins this year that that applies to? I'm I to do not know. I'm not going back and look. Mac Jones lost to the lost to Kirk Cousins, so he can't win the Super Bowl. Mac Jones uh, not going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> but <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike White lost to them, yeah, so not no, going to the Super Bowl. Out. Matt uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. So, all right. So, who do you got in the AFC? We got. So, right now, I have you for Seattle, Tampa, and Minnesota in the NFC. Uh, we got Chargers, Jags. Oh, 
Uh, uh, Josh Allen lost to Kirk Cousins. Ooh. That's why they were saying that. That's why. Let's go. Hopefully that's didn't, true. Didn't Minnesota sweep the AFC East? I, did they? They may yeah. have. Or did they lose to Miami? I think they beat Miami. I don't remember them losing that one. Miami, Bills, and the Giants all yeah, lost to Cousins. Yep. Okay. Ooh, yeah. but the Cowboys beat them. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. A, a, a possible Minnesota Dallas rematch would be interesting given how much of a blowout that first game was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's why this is why I want Seattle to win because I want all the stuff. San Fran winning is fun but boring. Then it's like, all right, San Fran's going to end up hosting Minnesota and I think San Fran's going to kill them. Oh, yeah. And it just sets up oh, the San yeah. Fran Philly NFC Championship, which is fun, but that also feels like if he doesn't blow up at home, that's the game where he blows up in the NFC Championship. And Right. Agreed. Agreed. If Kirk Cousins goes, he's going to do the same thing. So. Also, Thad uh, is asking about Aaron Rodgers of the Jets. It's an intriguing prospect. Something, though, we're not going to talk about today. We just don't have enough time. Uh, right. We can will I, get... Can I offer one comment on this? Yes, do it. Aaron Rodgers' contract is, like, almost untradeable. I think he's Green Bay or retiring. I don't think he can go anywhere. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's going to be Derek Carr, I bet. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So. AFC. AFC. Well, first of all, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do we need your NFC picks? Yes. So I so I have San Fran as I as I made publicly known. I I can't I can't pick the Giants. I can't do it. I have to go Minnesota because the Giants just they just don't have any talent. Like I like the Giants a lot. They just don't have any talent. And then I feel like Tampa kind of has to win, but I also I got this like Tampa just sucks. They're just not a good team. They're not. And so yeah. they have Brady. So I want I feel like Brady wins because he's Brady. Tampa just isn't good. They're just yeah, I feel like we're all. I feel like the whole world is collectively just assuming Tom Brady is going to win, and Dallas looked awful against Washington, and right. we're all yeah. we're all talking ourselves into this, and it's like. So I'm I'm going. About the I'm going Dallas. I'm going Dallas. I don't I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it at all. Um, but I'm going Dallas because I feel like it just it makes it makes too much sense for Brady to win, right? Like Brady has yeah. you know, and it's like I feel like ev all year long. Right, all year long, yeah. it's you know, oh the Bucks, are, they're coming, they're they're coming, they're they're gonna do it, they're coming, and it's like they just don't. Um, no, and so the, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. and yes, Dark Blue Gold, you're right. Now that I picked them, Dallas Burger lose. You're right. I am the biggest yeah. on the planet, which is why I don't. And Dar Dark Blue Gold does point out that all of these wild card matchups are repeats of regular season matchups. Yeah, so like the Niners, the Niners swept the Seahawks. Tampa beat Dallas in Week One, although I think those were very different teams oh, yeah. back at that point. Yeah. Um, and what's we'll oh the the Vikings did beat the Giants by three points at home, kind of at the end of the season. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that was the Minnesota's whiteout game. They they wore the all white uniforms for it and put right. the white end zones out, which yeah. I honestly didn't love. No, no, uh, not for right. Minnesota. Chargers, Jacksonville. What do you got? I got the Chargers. I don't. I watched what Jacksonville just did against the Titans of all teams, and yeah. didn't feel great. Although the same exact argument applies to the Chargers going against the Broncos, so I don't. I don't feel good about either one of these teams right now. I like the quarterbacks. I think the coaches are fine, and the rest is just—it's like a whole bunch of mediocre. Yep. I hate Brandon Staley. Hate him. I will always pick against the Chargers when Brandon Staley is the coach. So that's it. I'm I'm going. I'm going Jacksonville. They might lose. They certainly might lose. I can certainly see it happening. But I'm going. I'm going with Jacksonville. Uh, all right, Miami Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, do I even have to ask about Miami Buffalo? Like, are you? No. Is there anyone in the world picking Miami in this game? What's the spread? What's the spread on it? Not high enough is the spread. No, the yeah. uh, the spread is this thirteen might be, and a half. It's not going to be Georgia TCU, but it might be. I close. think it'll be. Yeah. Miami's not a good team right now. I don't know how they kept it close earlier this season either. The spread on his Lando legs. Um, yeah. That's good. So well done, Miami, Miami split with Buffalo this season. That first game they won too was a real weird game. Buffalo yeah, outplayed them the entire way. It just got really unlucky. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then the last one is, I mean, you're not picking Baltimore without Lamar, are you? I mean, how could you? I think it's right? going to be Anthony Brown starting that game, who I just had to look up before this to make Jeez. sure I was getting the name right. But that's just no. It's this is the other game where I will say because it's a divisional matchup, 
and because like John Harbaugh is a better coach than yeah. Zach Taylor, right? This might be closer than we think. And like I don't, the, the Bengals I don't think are as good as that roster says they should be. No, the spread's nine and we, a half. The the Bengals played the Patriots with, with the Patriots only had short corners with the guys that they had, and they put up how many points that end up being? Yeah, it was twenty twenty something. Yeah, it was twenty three. I think and there was a pick six in there. Like yeah. that's. It's not a great offensive output, and they've gotten offensive linemen hurt since then. The, so. the funny, the funny thing for me is that the I don't think the Ravens have a particularly good defense. I mean, I know they have Patrick. They traded for uh, what's his name, Roquan Smith, Rohan. who's been good for them. But like, I don't think they have a particularly good defense. So like, I worry about that. But then it's like, yeah, but they don't. I don't know. I, I that's Burrow's so two worst games of the year. I think came uh, basically all of the bad games in his career have come against Baltimore. Right. He kind of had his number. So this yeah. is. If it was if it was Lamar playing, I'm picking Baltimore. I agree because of all of this, and I think it's a bad matchup. I still think I think this ends up. I'm going to take Cincy, but I whatever that spread is, I would I would take Baltimore on the spread. Yeah, I mean nine and a half. I I, I don't. At the very least, I, I could see a backdoor a cover. You know, at the very least, I could see a backdoor cover by a. By Baltimore. So, anyways, as we got, that's our that's our totally right and not completely wrong picks for the weekend. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping to get like, listen, if Buffalo and Cincy can't pull it off, like Jesus Christ, dude. Um, yeah. So, and anyways, I feel we need we need a Buffalo Cincy game. Agreed. Although the fact that it's not Cincinnati is that's since since he kind of got since he did the right thing and kind of got screwed on that. Yeah, but but did they though? Because the Bill, you don't think the Bills would have won that game? Since he was up, Bengals oh, went down and scored yeah. on the first I mean, drive with ease. But I mean, come on, come on! I think the I think the Bengals are pretty good. Yeah, I think the Bills are pretty good too. So like, so that's the that's the hard part is that like it's early in the first quarter. Now, if it was the fourth quarter and they were up, yeah, now I can see it. But you know, it's like it's hard to say. And if anything, the Bills are the one that gave up the most because they could be the first, they could be the number one seed not playing this weekend. You know, whereas the yeah. Bengals couldn't be. So, yeah. you know, that's no real winners there. I do. We should take the time here to say Demar Hamlin is back at home. I yes. believe now, fully discharged, which is amazing, amazing awesome. to see. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. So, I do wonder if he's going to end up at this game. Um, I don't know where his health is at for that, but he certainly might. And let me tell you something, brother. If he does, whew, it is going to be absolutely nuts there in Baltimore, in uh, in Buffalo. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it, in that one, and I, I think it's like, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say it's one of those where like I almost, I almost would wait for the second round instead of the first round. You're gonna, you're gonna smoke the bit, the the uh, the Dolphins anyways. It doesn't really matter. Divisional round, he comes out. Oh my god, the place will go ballistic. It would be that'd yeah. be cool. I, I, I also think if they play the Bengals there in the second round, that does end up happening, which would happen if they both win. That'd yeah. be a good moment for him to come out. And you probably, if he can, you probably see if he can go visit the Bengals locker room and talk to I some agree. of those guys. And yeah, I think agree. that'd be good for the nerves and the jitters for both teams. And yep, no, good point. Good that, point. That'd be a lot. That'd be an, that would be a very emotional, emotional oh, game. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you saw, yeah, you saw now where the AFC Championship would be too, if it's Buffalo and KC, right? Yeah, in uh, uh, Georgia, Atlanta. right? Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Which that's a that's a. I've been to that stadium. It's a nice stadium. Very nice stadium. I haven't been there, but it looks really cool. So yeah, I will. I'd recommend that. It's uh, one of the cooler ones that I've I've had the pleasure of going to. And um, I'm a sucker for any like good like light shows during the game or like I yeah. love watching like what they do on the video boards and right. the stuff they did in there was really cool. I went for the Thursday night Pats game last year. And oh, it was nice! Really cool. That's cool. Uh, also. On that, there was a ton of Pats fans there, and obviously Pats Falcons. My dad wore his three twenty eight scoreboard shirt, and on the way out, like multiple people stopped him and asked if they could get a picture with him. Oh my lord! Unbelievable. <laughs> so he has a picture with somebody in front of like the big metal Falcon in front of the stadium wearing that. That's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. Which we try to go to one every year. Uh, I think this year. This upcoming year, depending on the timing, it's Dallas, it's Denver, it's Pittsburgh. Um, that's probably my top three is Dallas, Denver, and Pittsburgh. They might be in LA again this year, and, and that could be a possibility. It's just such a long flight to get out there. But um so you know, play but, the Chargers, they play the Chargers at home. Oh, they do play the Chargers at home, you're right. So I don't know what I was yeah. thinking. I also thought they played Indy and Indy, but they play Indy at home. So um, Yeah, Indy at home, Pittsburgh's on the road. Right. Yeah. 
I can't remember the other teams, but I know those are my top three. Um, you know, it's Dallas, Denver, and and Pittsburgh. So we'll see what happens. I'm not sure if it'll happen or not. You know, it's got to depend on timing and everything. But um, oh, they play in Vegas again. That's another one. That's it. I got no interest yeah. in that, but but you never know. So, um, all right, let's let's get into let's get into uh, this week in sports history. I have a good one for this week. Uh, it's a little personal spin on it as well. So, um, so that's what we got. All right, sure. yeah. And now for something we think you'll really like this week in sports history. All right, so I'm going to go first. I will uh, I will go with. January 10th, 2015, in Foxborough, the New England Patriots come back from a 14-point deficit twice to beat the Baltimore Ravens 35-31. Now, everyone remembers this game. People talk about it's one of the best games ever played at, at Gillette Stadium. And I was there for a half and then left at halftime. Uh, and it was, uh, my dad, I don't think my dad's watching tonight, but it, it, I call it my Phil Esposito game. Uh, and I'll explain that in a minute, but what happened was, is that I went, my wife wasn't feeling well when I went, I knew she wasn't feeling well. Uh, my two kids at the time, um, weren't, uh, both weren't feeling well as well. I went to the game anyways. I'm like, I'm going, it's playoffs. What am I going to do? I get a call two minutes before halftime. I'm going to be sick. You got to go home and take care of the kids. Uh, so my oldest daughter was four. My youngest daughter was two. Not even two. Not even four and two. They were like, you know, almost four and almost two. And so I left. I left at halftime, went home. got a text. On the way home, I got a text. That's it. Game over. Uh, because when the Ravens had scored. So I shut my phone off, did dinner, did bedtime, uh, you know, got them to bed, and then watched the game afterwards. I ended up watching the game in my room with my wife. Uh, trying, you know, trying to hold in the screams while watching the game. And it's one of those that I was like, God, I can't believe I missed that game. And so I call it my Phil Esposito game because my dad, when I was a baby, my dad had tickets to uh, the Phil Esposito game at, in Boston when they retired his number. And he took me to the bank before that, and I threw up all over him in the bank. And so he was oh like, well. Goodness. I guess I'm not going. So he stayed home and, and took care of me instead of going to the, to the Phyllis Vito game. So, so that, that Ravens game is, is my Phyllis Vito game. And listen, honestly, for those of you that are parents out there, uh, I think you can, you can relate. I'd make the same decision a hundred times. If, if I, if I had to make it a hundred times over again, I make it a hundred times. It's just, it is what it is, you know? And, and obviously I would have loved to have been in the stands that night. And it was, you know, to see that double pass would have been incredible, but it, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story right there. And you got to see the first half. I did. You got to it's, see some I mean, stuff. Nothing really you got good. You got to see but... the first half of the comeback. They tied it up. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my on this day is also a playoff game. And also was one I was in attendance for. Mm-hmm. January 13th, 2019. The last playoff win at Gillette Stadium, Tom Brady's last playoff win at Gillette Stadium. Pants crushed the Chargers in that one. And I had, my story on this is I had never been to a Patriots playoff game before. And it was always a, it was a bucket list thing for me to go. I knew Brady was getting older and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to a game. I've been on the season ticket wait list for a while so I could get like the face value seats with the pre-sale. And the second that came out, I was on it. And I was like, I was like, I'm just going to spend the minimum. I'm going to get into the building. And I pull up the thing and basically all of the seats are gone when, when I had opened oh. it up. And the only seats that were available were in the end zone right near where you sit. One of some of the more expensive ones that are out there. I still remember how much I paid for that ticket. And my dad and I were going to go. And I told him, I was like, I think there's only single seats available. And he was like, just do it. Go for it. So That's that awesome. was, the day I moved, was the day I moved back into college for my second semester, too, if that makes you feel, feel real it. old. Sure does. Yep. Yeah, but I so drove up early in the morning, moved all the stuff into my apartment, um, which wasn't a ton. It was just it was a yeah. on-campus apartment. So I just dropped my bags off and then drove up from Providence to Gillette oh, Stadium. I love it. And got there barely. I got in like right as the flyover happened, barely got into the stadium on time because the line was so long on the outside. And then yeah. that game was over in like the first quarter and a half. Yes, <laughs> and I first stood there freezing for the next <laughs> 
two hours. <laughs> it was worth it though, wasn't it? It was worth yeah. it. Yeah, that experience. That was you know? that was a great game too. That was like yeah. it was fun. The energy was pretty good. Yeah. Yep. And Agreed. I don't. I don't know who I. I was a single ticket there in, with a whole bunch of season ticket holders. So I just made friends with everybody around me. So I don't remember any of the names of the people I met. But if anybody remembers that day, it was there. Like that was everybody I met was so nice that day. That was yeah. a great time. The end zone's a I good just, place to sit. A lot of good people sit yeah. in the end zone. I, I'll say in general, going to sporting events alone is more fun than you think if you're a fan of one of the teams because they're. Like you have pre-made friends right there. Yeah. Go and talk to anybody. Yeah. Agreed. Well, that, and that's one of those things, right? And you start like, you know, shooting, you start shooting the breeze with them and you're like, oh, you know, this play and then you high-fiving guys and you talk. It's great. (laughs) You know, it's fun. So I I um, love it. It's really good. So also dark blue gold's got one January 12th, 1969 Super Bowl three. Joe Namath wins it for the AFL and yes, the Jets as well. Yes. And just a reminder here that Super Bowl be- happened before we went to the moon. So the Jets have not done anything since we went to the moon. Since so we went to the moon. So, and of course, that is arguably the most important Super Bowl win mm-hmm. uh, because it caused, you know, kind of spurned the merger uh, of the two leagues, which happened the next season um, yeah. before the 1970 season. So, well, yeah, you know, one of the most important games in yep. NFL sport. You could argue sporting history. With yeah, what the NFL has done at this point. Yeah, for sure. So, so anyways, all right, that's what we got. That's what we got. It's it's the officially the off season. Uh, we're going to be doing a ton of draft talk. We're going to be having some fun on here. We're going to be you know uh, going back and forth. And so uh, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Team Crazy Matt, thanks for staying up this whole time. Appreciate you. And Dark for Gold, I know it, it's yeah. same thing. You guys are lunatics staying up till four o'clock in the morning to watch us. We well, you're Pats that. fans. We already knew they're lunatic. That's that's a good point. That's a great point. <laughs> uh, so. But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, you know, it's the off season. But again, we're not going anywhere. We're gonna we're gonna stay here with you guys, and uh, and we'll have some fun this off season. All right. Take care, everyone.